You're listening to a Wheels on the Ground production. This episode of Disability After Dark has been brought to you by Come As You Are. Come As You Are is Canada's only worker-owned co-op sex shop. Trans-owned and operated, Come As You Are carefully reviews and curates their selection of sex toys, books, and DVDs. Now you can get 15% off your next purchase at comeasyouare.com using coupon code AFTERDARK. Hey there, Disability After Dark listeners, Andrew here. I want to tell you all about a really awesome deal that I got from my friends and new sponsors, Adam and Eve, the number one adult toy superstore. They reached out to me and they said, Andrew, we love Disability After Dark. We love your show. We love what you're doing. And we were wondering if you wanted to run some ads for us. And I was like, fuck yes, I do. But what are my awesome listeners going to get if I run ads for you? What are they going to get out of this? And they came back with a really fantastic deal that I want to share with you right now. I hope you're getting comfy, cozy, and crippled because this deal is pretty great. If you go to AdamEve.com, you can pick out almost any item in the store, almost any one item in the store, for 50% off. That means you can get one dildo, one lube, and one thing of lingerie, if you want, for 50% off. And then, once you get that one item for half price, they throw in even more free stuff. Let me tell you all about it. Okay, so you got your one item at half price in your bag, and you're ready to go, but guess what? This offer also includes 10 free items on top of that that other item. So you get one free item for penis havers, one free item for vulva havers, one free item for couples, and then you also get six free movies from the AdamEve.com website. You can get your favorite porn or an educational film. I love free movies. They're so awesome. This is such a great deal. And then, on top of that, you also get free shipping. What could be better? This is such a great offer. So, to redeem this great offer, what you're going to do is you're going to go to AdamEve.com. You're going to go to checkout and you're going to type in DarkPod. That's D-A-R-K-P-O-D at checkout, and you're going to get one item, almost anything in the store, at 50% off, and then you're going to get those 10 free gifts, absolutely free, as part of your offer. This is such a great deal, and this is just for you, Disability After Dark listeners, and I hope you run over to AdamEve.com and take advantage of it right now. Content warning. The language content and discussion found within this episode of Disability After Dark will be explicit. Listener discretion advised. You're listening to Disability After Dark, the podcast shining a bright light on disability stories with your host, disability awareness consultant, Drew Gerza. Hello, hello, friends. Welcome to the show, friends. And thank you so much for clicking on this brand new episode of Disability After Dark the podcast shining a bright light on disability stories. I'm, of course, your disabled daddy, Drew Gerza. Let's get comfy, cozy, and crippled and get this show started, everybody. 
First things first, if you want to get this show one day early, completely ad-free, before everybody else who listens to it on the feed, you can do so by pledging to our Patreon feed. You can go to patreon.com slash disabilityafterdark, where you can pledge as little as $1 a month, or as much as $5 a month or more, or even a yearly amount, to help keep a bright light shining on this show. And if you do, you'll get the show one day early on a very special Patreon feed. As well, you'll get a sexy, awkward shout-out for me on the air in a future episode, and I would really appreciate your support. If you're not able to pledge, you can also leave us a review on iTunes, or wherever you get your podcasts, or just tell your friends to listen, let them know how great the show is, all that fun stuff. But just wanted to say thank you, and I appreciate your support as we enter episode 234. Wow, we're already at 234. Never thought we'd make it past 5. So that's pretty awesome. But now, let's get started. Okay, so I saw, I thought that since it is today, March 20th, it is spring today. It is spring in the Northern Hemisphere today. Wow, amazing. Since it is spring, I thought it would be really fun to do another episode of Seasonal Dating Tips for Crips. And we've done this for summer, we've done this for fall twice, we've done... I don't think we've done a winter one, I'm not sure, but we've done a couple episodes like this, and I love doing this, and I thought it was time to do one, because the winter doldrums are done, and I thought it was just time to do another one of these. So, because the winter doldrums are almost gone, and, and spring is here... And just like all the other hibernating animals cooped up in their homes all winter, disabled people are finally able to leave their homes independently without having to put on a coat or wait for their attendant to put on their clothes or freeze in below cold weather that makes it really hard to be disabled all the time. And they can finally go outside and enjoy the little bits of sunlight and warmth as we're, you know, still in the middle of a pandemic but they can go outside and feel the warmth on their on their skin and not have to wear a coat and maybe just wear a sweater spring is here and i am so excited about it i get so excited when spring comes and i went outside the other day for the first time in about six months realistically and i i forgot how much i love the sunlight and the warmth and to just be able to roll around in my chair and to go outside with something as little as a sweater on felt absolutely incredible and it was amazing and it just made me realize how much I fucking hate winter as a disabled person so I wanted to do I thought it would be fun to do another another spring dating a seasonal dating tips for crips for spring and so that's what we're gonna do today so in another episode of of seasonal dating tips for crips I wanted to take a look at the common things couples are told to do in the spring in magazines and from websites, and I want to look at if these things are inaccessible to disabled people, which so many of them are, or, and I want to also look at some of the ways they could be made accessible to disabled people, like cool, sexy dating things you can do in the spring, and I want to basically... I want to basically find out if they're accessible or inaccessible to disabled people. Now, what this actually ends up being, this is where I take the common dating tropes out of magazines and and websites 
and I tear them to shreds, and I basically show you hilariously how inaccessible some of these things are. So, let's put our clocks forward and see if there's anything for the gorgeous gimps to do this spring. The first one I saw, and I, I saw it a lot in the, the magazines and the websites that I looked at. The first one I saw was to take advantage of a rainy day. And I saw this one pop up on a number of lists all over what to do on a spring date with your significant other and all those things. And they all said something cheesy like, April showers bring May flowers. And getting out in nature is so much better than hibernating. And I rolled my eyes pretty hard at that when I first read them the first couple times. And as a power wheelchair user, all I could think about was what might happen if my power wheelchair got wet and how difficult it is to drive a power chair in the rain anywhere. It's, it's one of the hardest things you will have to do if you own a power wheelchair. A power wheelchair is to drive in the rain to try to get anywhere because you're worried about getting wet. You're worried about you getting wet. You're worried about your chair getting wet. You're worried about lightning. You're worried about electricity. All of these things are things that you really have to think about when you're a power wheelchair user. And these things are never brought up in these like, take advantage of the rainy day, day ideas. They're never, they never talk about this stuff. So we're going to talk about it today. When you're a power wheelchair user, the ground, and it's, and it's raining, and the ground gets all slippery, which means every bump, every crevice, every crack in the road is that much more intense, and sometimes the tread on your power wheelchair's wheels aren't super great in the rain, which means you can slip and slide and things are not super safe, and it's just <laughs> the idea of going out with my power chair in the rain just feels one million percent unsafe from my standpoint as a disabled person and who uses a power chair I just don't see the advantage of going on a sexy rain date with a partner with the power chair also if you go in the rain in a power chair you're gonna need to have something to to um, cover your controls or cover yourself which means you have to wear a poncho which and I have I have wheelchair ponchos to go over my wheelchair that I wear sometimes but they don't look super flattering on a date they kind of make you look like a potato you are you look like one big brown potato with a big poncho on it's really hard to drive with those things on too because they are limiting your dexterity and your hand movements if you have to drive your wheelchair through the rain it's really, really hard to do that. Really, really, and it can also be really hard to see in the rain if you're trying to drive your wheelchair. If it's raining really hard, and you're trying to drive your wheelchair home, if you have this poncho on, or you have a plastic bag over your wheelchair controls, really hard to drive and super not fun. So I can't, I can't see taking a stroll in the rain like that because it's just not, it's just not fun. It's just really hard to drive the chair. So like. The chances of you running over your partner during that walk or doing it like or getting stuck somewhere or having your wheelchair short circuit are also very possible. And I just don't think that that's super romantic. It's happened to me a bunch of times when I've been out with people in the rain where my chair just stopped working and then they end up having to push me everywhere, 
which again is not super sexy. The blogs also say you could go mudsliding if you wanted to. And again, as a wheelchair user, I was like, that's not accessible in any way. Um, if you really want to push my mobility device through the mud, that's cool. But I don't necessarily see that as something we should do on a date together. I mean, but I, I guess if you want to show off your strength and you're like, for in my case, your manly, sexy prowess, and you want to like push me through the mud, sure, I guess we can do that. But I don't necessarily see that. That doesn't get me hot and bothered right away. I'd much rather stay in and have you touch my joists. <coughs> Let's try again. I'd much rather have you stay in and touch my joystick than try to push me through the mud. Isn't that so much sexier? I think so. Also, a lot of disabled people out there, as you know from listening to the show, a lot of disabled people out there have poor circulation and a lot of issues with regulating their temperature. So the idea of getting wet can even be a bigger health risk for them. If they can't dry themselves off easily or they aren't able to readily change or grab a pair of dry something or they can't get the attendant to come there in time to help them change, it can be really dangerous for their health and it can be way more hazardous than it can be hot. So I would highly recommend that you um, look at health issues and what might happen to you before you go out in the rain and you talk to a potential partner about, hey, if we want to do this and like go in the puddles and stuff. Also, just thinking, like, what if the what if a puddle is really huge and I get stuck in a puddle in my wheelchair? That's not good for anyone. So, you know, think about all this stuff. Talk to your partner. That being said, if I get a little bit wet and then you want to come back with me after the after the rain and my wheelchair is shorted out, but you push me home and you want to shower me off afterwards, I'm okay with that. But it definitely warrants a conversation before you do anything. And I really wish that these magazines would look into the health risks and the reality of being disabled before they write up these listicles because they really don't take any, any, any of this into account, and they should. So if you're writing any of these, like, go on the 50th best dates of your life listicles, reach out to me, and I would love to talk to you about how to make them more accessible to the disabled audience, please. Thanks! The next one that I found was really kind of funny, and I laughed out loud when I saw it. The next one that I found was you could go and rent paddle boats with a partner. Now, you heard a couple from a couple of the past episodes how difficult it would be to get your disabled lover in a bathtub without help or a tent without help. So when I first think of going on a paddle boat ride, I think of my date trying to place me in the boat me having a body, sp- a body spasm, falling out of his arms, falling into the water, flailing around, being unable to swim, and then drowning. I can't tell you how many times in my life when somebody who thought they were strong tried to carry me, realized that I was dead weight, realized that I couldn't help them, and realized that I would, that I would basically basically be dropped if they didn't really figure out how to carry me and it's happened a bunch of times to me I remember somebody was carrying me up the stairs once and they definitely a hundred percent almost dropped me because they were like 
why can't he grab on? Why can't he help? And I was like, I'm dead weight. I can't. So I don't really feel super comfortable with, some, with the idea of somebody trying to lift me in a boat when I can't help them do it. And so that's never been super fun for me. Um, and besides, nobody wants to be the next true crime Netflix series sensation for dropping the hot disabled dude in the lake, do they? So I would say that going paddle boating is not exactly a deliciously disabled spring date idea. Also, the idea of going paddle boating with me is that if you get me into the boat, that's great. But what are we going to do with my wheelchair afterwards? Where is it going to go? Where is it going to stay? Is it going to be on the dock for somebody to to take or steal? We hear so many stories of people's mobility devices like wheelchairs and walkers and tricycles being stolen for people to take joy rides in or you know sometimes if I can imagine if we're getting in a paddle boat what if it like falls into the pond or the lake or, or like what do we do if that happens so I don't feel super com comfy leaving my wheelchair somewhere and as a wheelchair user I don't feel super comfy comfy getting out of my wheelchair with my date unless we're going to be doing something that makes me feel safe and paddle boating definitely doesn't make me feel super safe. Also, the idea of paddle boating would mean that I'd have to paddle the boat with you using my arms and my legs and my arms and legs can do amazing things to you, believe me, due to the spasticity and tightness that I have. They can do amazingly sexy things to you. Try giving me head sometimes with my legs and my arms wrapped around you like a vice, it's super hot. But paddling a boat and pushing my legs and my arms all at the same time while trying to have a date with you is not one of them. Realistically, what would happen is you do all the work and I would sit on the boat with having, with having no trunk control, trying really hard not to fall over or to fall out of the boat. So... Really, it wouldn't be it wouldn't be a date that we could that we could really do a lot in, except you'd be tired from trying to carry me in the boat. I'd be worried about my wheelchair. I'd be worried about falling over, and I couldn't help you paddle, so we'd probably be going in a circle together. Not super sexy, right? Now, in certain towns, there are disabled sailing clubs that will take you on like a big disabled sailing thing. If you wanted to, you can go on the water and you can make a day of it. They take you on like a accessible boat where you can go and they'll do that for yourself. If you wanted to do that, you could. But those are those are pretty pricey and they're, they're not super romantic. So you'd have like five other people in a boat with you, which is, doesn't, really, doesn't really lend itself to like a sexy romantic boating moment but if you want to try that go look into your town for accessible disabled sailing options and they are available so you could do that if you wanted to a lot of the blogs also talked about how important it was to during the springtime and this time of reawakening and this time of like blossoming and blooming and they use a lot of crappy flower metaphors here but they said that a lot that during the springtime, it would be fantastic for you to talk about your relationship with a partner, whether that be with a new partner or a partner you've been with for some time now. It would be super important for you during this time of spring cleaning 
They said you could spring clean your relationship. And I thought to ramp it up a little bit and to make it more disability friendly, you could do this and talk about ableism together. I actually found this to be super accessible for a lot of disabled folks because a lot of us can't do a lot of things physically, but we have our words and our language to talk about things. And we, a lot of us also tend to overthink a lot of things. And so I felt like doing this kind of thing with a partner or even with somebody that you're starting to date or get to know could be really powerful. And it could be something you could do together to talk about ableism together and to understand how it impacts you. So like maybe maybe it is the first time that you and a partner have actually brought up the word ableism. Like what is ableism? What does it feel like? Where did it come from? Why are we using this language? Maybe it's the first time that you've sat down with them and said the words and said like, I've been feeling this way about this stuff for a while, but I didn't have the language to tell you so I just didn't, but actually what I'm feeling is ableism. Maybe it's for you the first time as a non-disabled partner listening to your partner say, I'm going through this, I'm feeling ableist things about this, I want to talk to you, but I don't have an outlet, and you being able to to realize that some of the, some of the things you've maybe have done in the relationship have contributed to ableism. And maybe it's the first time you, you know, you've really thought about ableism and how it interplays with your relationship with somebody. And I think this is a great opportunity to explore that with the partner in the spring so that come December, you won't be having a winter of discontent because you resent something that they did that was ableist or you never said anything to them because you didn't want to hurt their feelings, but you felt ableism the whole time and you didn't know how to bring it up. I really think sitting down with them, with the partner, and discussing how ableism interplays for you or how ableism interplays for them, too. If you're, if you're, a, if you're a multiply disabled couple, you could also have a discussion about how ableism looks different for both of you during the spring. And that way, throughout the year, you can know that, you know, you had this conversation. And while it may not fix everything right away, at least you brought it out in the open and you've made sure that Throughout the winter, when you may not have wanted to talk about all this stuff, you now can bring up ableism every spring and know you can have a conversation. So maybe that's what you do. Maybe every spring, like March or April, you bring up ableism with the partner and say, let's have a discussion about this. Let's see how ableism has impacted us this year. It could be really fun. It could be really an important way for you to connect with each other. It could make the sensual and the fun relationship you have with the partner more 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 strong and deeper and more just more valuable because you're putting this stuff out in the open and if you commit to doing that maybe once a year having like a yearly an annual ableism talk if you will maybe it will change the way your relationship works and this can also apply to people that you're just getting to know and people that you want to say like hey I want to talk to you about ableism because it's springtime and I want to be with you for you know, if, uh, an X, X, Y, Z amount of time, and I'd like to get to know you, so every spring we should talk about this. Just an idea, but it would be really cool if when these blogs talked about spring cleaning your relationship, they talked about how ableism interplays with relationships too.
definitely let me know what you think about annual ableism talks or if you've ever brought up ableism in a relationship like during a, a spring cleaning of your relationship talk or that kind of stuff or how how you've brought it up in a relationship I'd love to hear how you've done that and if you've done that and if you think it's something we should do in relationships and bring up in relationships or if you think it's totally unnecessary let me know this next one made me laugh really hard when I read it one of the more adventurous dating blogs said that you and a partner could slackline together and I initially didn't know what slacklining was I thought that was where you like zip line with somebody and even that, I was like, that's not super sexy. Why would you want to do that on a date with somebody in the spring? And then when I realized what slacklining was, which is where you basically tie two poles together and you put them at a height and you walk on the tightrope. Basically, it's tightrope walking, but it's called something new now because of course it is. And so it's where you like tightrope tight, tight walk with a partner. Um... And you try not to fall, which I again I feel is not super sexy, and I don't quite know why somebody would think this is a sexy thing to suggest to do with somebody on a spring day. I guess they were trying to be like active and whatever, and of course, of course they didn't think of any any sort of disabilities when they wrote this listicle about like more active things you can do in the spring on a date, because like if you were disabled with any kind of coordination issue or spatial awareness issue or invisible disability that made like the idea of being being at heights problematic for you the whole idea of setting up a slack line just setting it up would be would be hard and then of course if you were somebody with a physical disability the whole idea of slacklining just feels um <laughs> just feels like totally impossible and completely inaccessible to you i don't know why it's something you'd want to do i don't see the romance in it at all all the when i typed in slacklining into the google machine all i found was that hilarious meme of dwight schrute from the office um <laughs> doing his his slacklining and i was like if this is what it is there's no way i can do that and also there's no way that i want to do that with somebody that doesn't make me feel close to a person that doesn't make me feel sexy with the person that just looks silly and super dangerous and most importantly it's 1000% inaccessible to anyone with a disability I think also I think with slacklining if you're somebody with EDS or somebody with more abilities but still have disabilities and issues with coordination or but especially I'm thinking for my, my zebras out there, my EDS crew, if you have EDS and you were to fall or dislocate something or do something like that when you were ziplining, I just feel like that wouldn't be super safe. Or not ziplining, slacklining rather. I feel like it wouldn't be super safe. And I'm pretty sure you probably wouldn't want to go to, e to the ER on a spring date. So maybe they should not, you know, like... I know we all want to be adventurous, but this one is super inaccessible. And this is, again, another example of I wish when they were writing these listicles, they would consider the needs of the disabled population and how silly slacklining looks as a date option. 
It's right up there with rock climbing. I think I said that in one of the in one of the other episodes where like you could rock climb, but why would you want to? Same with this. You could slackline, but why do you really want to? Why? Why? I do have another alternative though. And my alternative is if you're somebody with a disability and you have a ceiling lift or a Hoyer lift, you could just take turns with your partner putting you in the Hoyer lift and then putting themselves in the Hoyer lift and then going up and down and going going around the ceiling track and around the Hoyer lift and doing all that back and forth. That could be fun. That's sort of like slacklining, but so much funner and so much better. You could totally do that instead. That's what I, that that's what I recommend. Definitely use your Hoyer lift and your ceiling lift and don't go slacklining because you definitely will fall. And if you're a wheelchair user, all you could do is sit there and watch your partner like slackline while you just sat there. Why? How is that fun for you? So, yeah, definitely use your Hoyer instead. This next one that I saw, I ha- as soon as I saw it, I was like, Oh my goodness, that's the most inaccessible and ridiculous thing I have ever seen. I need to talk about it because why would you ever want to do this ever on a first date with somebody, whether you're disabled or not? How is this something you put in a first date listicle? I could not believe it. And I felt like it only made it funnier when you consider the disability aspects of it. So... The next one I saw, and I saw this in a few of them, was on a spring date, you could go to pick wild garlic with a partner. <laughs> like, who who thinks, oh yeah, on our very first date, I'm going to pick wild garlic with you. Who, d- who decides that that's what you're going to do next? That's not, <laughs> like, what? I couldn't believe it when I read that. So let's, let's, let's look at how picking wild garlic is not actually accessible to you. Let's have a look at that. So, um, the only reason you should be picking wild garlic is if you are a freegan, somebody who, like, dumpster dives for food at restaurants and who, like, wants or wants to, like, go in the forest and do that um, for food. Or if you're some sort of, like, 18th and 19th century reenactor and you want to, like, do this. That's the only time you should pick wild, or unless you're like a gardener and that's what you do. But those are the only times you should pick wild garlic. If you're going to take somebody out on a date in the spring, picking wild garlic is not the thing to do. Please, unless you're a gardener, a reenactor, or a freegan, please don't do this. Please don't do this. But let's look at the inaccessibility issues with this right now. The magazine where I found this says that we usually find garlic in shady, moist areas close to streams. And I thought, yeah, everything about this doesn't bode well for a wheelchair user in any way. Um, streams tend to be close to, like, um, gull- uh, you know, really rocky, bumpy areas of grass, or really unsafe, steep, like, embankments. And it just does not feel super safe for me as a wheelchair user to go on a first date to pick wild garlic with somebody. It just, there's nothing about it that feels sexy or safe to me in any way. Um, 
and I, as kind of sexy as it would be to traipse around the forest with a hot dude, you know, looking for berries, or no, no, garlic rather, or berries really, it just, there's nothing about it that screams accessibility to me, frankly. Um, <laughs> also, you know, uh, screams are usually around grassy areas that are super bumpy and unsafe for wheelchair users. And in my life, there were many times where I went over a grassy bump and I thought I'd be okay. And then I wasn't at all okay. And I 100% almost have tipped my wheelchair at numerous points when I thought I was okay. And I almost died for sure. 100%. I really don't want this to be what you hear one day on the 6 o'clock news. Drew Gerza, renowned disability consultant, died today whilst foraging for wild garlic when his wheelchair tumbled down an embankment. He was found face down in a stream, still in his wheelchair. We hope that in his death, he will be free from his disability. Back to you, Tom. No! Just please no. That's not how I want to die. That's not how I want to end my life, going on a date to find wild, wild garlic with my partner. Please. No, no. No, no. Just go to fucking Uber Eats and dial in some garlic pasta, okay? I promise you that will taste so much better. First of all, ordering food is something super accessible that you can do with a partner. Do that first. Before you decide to forage in your wheelchair and get drowned in an embankment stream, <laughs> please don't do that. Please. Please. Another one I saw on the spring dating possibilities you could do with the partner is to go to a sports event. You could, and I, I saw this one a lot when I was doing research. Like every other listicle was like, go to a sports event because it's finally nice outside. Go see somebody play sports. And I know in the midst of a pandemic, the whole idea of being in a crowded space with people doing sports feels really scary. But all the stuff was written, obviously, pre-pandemic. But, you know, if the, I don't love sports, but if the guy that I was into liked sports and wanted to take me, I'd totally go. If you're disabled like me, though, meaning that you use a power chair and you use a bigger mobility device, a sports event as a date could bring up a variety of concerns, and I wanted to go through them with you right now. So A, a concern about going to a sports event as a disabled person is A, does the venue have proper disability seating? So can you actually see what's happening? Can you actually hear what's happening? Are you so up high that it's hard to do anything. Of the handful of baseball games that I've been to in my in my in my life, and I've only been to like, I can visibly remember me being to about three baseball games, seeing the Blue Jays in the in the early '90s with my dad, and seeing the Blue Jays in the late '90s for a school trip, and probably one more time in between there. Um, and I remember they would put my wheelchair way up high. At the back of the stadium where you couldn't see a thing. You were basically in the nosebleeds. Couldn't see a thing. Could barely hear anything. It was super boring for me to be at this place. And, and like if the guy that I was into liked sports and wanted me to be involved. And I would like 
you know, watch all those things, um, then I guess I would go. But it was just really hard for me as a wheelchair user to be engaged. Also, I think because I don't walk or play sports, the whole idea of watching other people do things that I'll never do, as I get older, it just feels kind of weird, and I'm just not really that into it anymore. But, but you know, looking, we'd have to make sure that the venue would put me in a place where I could see stuff, and I'm not sure if they do that anymore, which tells you how long it's been since I've been to a sporting event. But if I can't hear you and I can't see what's happening, why are we doing this together? And if you're going there and you need help with something and you're with a partner watching this game and because you can't see really what's happening and you can't really hear what's happening, uh, it would make for any kind of assistance giving or caregiving that you require would be really almost out of the question. So again, why are we really doing it? Also, I think that going to a date, going for a date to a sports event um, for people with sensory issues, a lot of like sensory overload, people who live with certain forms of stimming needs or autism or stuff like that, it might just be too much to handle. It might be sensory overload. And even for me who lives without sensory overload stuff, it's a lot to handle. So I really think it's important to consider all of the access needs and talk that over with your partner before you just say, oh, let's go to a, let's go to a Blue Jays game or let's go to a baseball game or let's go to this kind of game. I think that when it's safe to do so again, we have to consider the, the the true accessibility. Moving on though, one of my favorite things that I saw to do together with the with the partner was to have ice cream together. I actually really like this one because I saw it a bunch of times and I think it's really good for people with physical disabilities. And I'm pretty sure that I mentioned ice cream or cake back in the accessible first date foods episode which was, I think, like over 100 episodes ago already. Um, and I mentioned ice cream way back, saying how it could be messy but fun. But I love the idea of a partner helping me eat my ice cream to ramp up the intimacy. And, and you know, you can always see me suck on the cone and see how good I do that and suck on the, the creamy white stuff and see how good I do that. I mean, there's so many double entendres there with that. And I think... Having an able-bodied partner help me with help you with ice cream if you need that could really ramp up the the sense of connection you have with somebody and really make those things go super fast. And it's a fun and playful way to learn about the level of needs one has. So it's also something that two disabled partners could do with each other um, if you're going on a date that way. And that could also be really fun. And like I just said, in a way... And that way, you'll have a fun idea of what I look like with cream all over my face. I also think that sharing a meal with somebody is a really great way to discuss allergies and bodily reactions with a partner, which can then lead to a larger conversation around disability that isn't as daunting as scary because, hey, there's ice cream there and it's cool and you can talk about like, oh, I can't have nuts because of this. And by the way, I have this condition or I have this, or I have cerebral palsy, or I have this, could be a really fun, a fun and easy, simple segue to discuss disability using the food as a, as a segue to be like, oh, allergies, I have, I think this, and also I have this disability. Maybe, I don't know, but possibly. That's just where my brain went. But, but 
Eating ice cream with a partner is a really accessible thing to do because they can feed you if you need it, or you can feed yourself, or you can feed them if you want to. So, cool. Um, that's about it for the seasonal dating tips for Crips, Spring 2021 edition. If you're out there and you're like, Drew, I really want you to do uh, this, or I want you to talk about this, or if you have any dating articles or things you'd like me to look over for access or just hilariously tear apart for you on an episode like this, you can email them directly to me at disabilityafterdark at gmail.com. And remember, if you want to be a guest on any of the series that I do on this show, um, the the pause, the pausing in the pandemic, the regular show, or you have any ideas for other series, by all means, send me an email. I'd love to hear from you. Thanks so much for listening to this one. Bye! Alright, that was another episode of Disability After Dark, the podcast shining a bright light on disability stories, a part of the Wheels on the Ground network. I'm really, really happy you came to this one. If you want to follow my work, you can head over to www.drewgerza.com and you can follow me on all my socials at at DrewGerza. So Instagram and Twitter at DrewGerza. You can also follow the podcast at DisAftDarkPod on Twitter. Remember, if you want to be a part of the show, you can email us at disabilityafterdark at gmail.com. Tell us a little bit about your story. Tell us a little bit about why you want to be on the show, and we'd love to have you. The show is, again, no longer just a sex and disability podcast. We want to talk to you about everything. So drop us a line. We'd absolutely love to hear from you. Remember, if you want to support the show, you can go to patreon.com slash disabilityafterdark and pledge as little as $1 a month or as much as $5 a month or more to keep a bright light shining on these stories. I'm your host, Drew Gerza, your disabled daddy. Thank you so much for listening to this Wheels on the Ground production, and um, we'll talk to you soon. Thanks for listening. Bye! Copyright Notice. Disability After Dark was presented, created, and produced by Drew Gerza and Wheels on the Ground Productions. Any and all materials, including graphics, audio recordings, and music, are property of the owner and cannot be used or distributed without express permission. Copyright 2020-2021.